Welcome to Northridge Church. Welcome home. We are honored and excited that you are here this morning. Welcome to the family. And I, I, I'm a little bit curious. How many of you would say you're competitive? Come on, put your hands in the air. You're a competitive person. Come on out of Webster Online. Yeah, there's a lot of competitive people here. Can I just tell you, you guys are my people. Okay, I am a competitive guy. My wife, Ashley, knows that I need just a little bit of competition in my life kind of all the time. And competition can be an amazing thing. In my life, throughout my life, I've learned a lot of valuable lessons from competition. In high school sports, and college sports, God has used competition to teach me a lot of things about myself. And so competition can be amazing, it can be good. <laughs> but competition can also be a hard thing, a bad thing, right? It can cause some problems in relationships. Maybe for you, it looks like it does for me. Because I'm competitive, my wife and I, we love to play games with people, whether we're going to somebody's house or we invite somebody over to our house, and we, we love playing board games, card games. One of our favorite games is the game Hearts. Any heart players here today? Yeah, come on, I love that game. And so, you know, every once in a while, Ashley and I will have our friends over, we'll go to our friend's house, and before we go, my wife was always like, hey, Drew, um, j j just listen, I know you like to win. It's okay if you lose. Just whatever you do, Drew, just don't be yourself, okay? At least, she doesn't say it like that, but that's how I hear it. So we, you know, we, we go and we play games, we have people over, we go to their house, and you know, I'm, I'm good, right? I'm just sipping my coffee, I'm having a dessert, and everything's good, we're laughing and we're playing, and then the game gets a little bit tight. And something kicks in me that... I can't control, okay? And I start talking trash. I'm like, okay, and I'm gonna win at all costs. And like, listen, I'm here thinking like, we're having a great time, everybody's laughing, it's awesome. And then I get in the car with my wife. And she looks at me and I'm like, yeah, I'm in trouble, aren't I? She's like, what, what were you thinking, Drew? Like, how could you talk to people like that in their own home? Like, what is, what is wrong with you? And, and I, I feel attacked. I'm like, babe, I thought everything was good. And like, why are you attacking me? What about you? You didn't do everything right. And guess what happens? Get what, guess what has arrived in, in our relationship? Conflict. Conflict, it's there. And the question is, how do you handle it? How do you respond to those moments in life where it gets tense, you disagree, you see things differently? We're gonna talk about it today in James chapter four. And so if you got your Bibles, James chapter four is where we're going to be this morning. I'd encourage you to grab your Bible, jump into the Northridge Church app. It's probably wise for us to take notes on today's message and what God teaches us because we're gonna need it throughout the journey of our lives. And if you weren't with us last week, we, we, we jumped into a brand new series called My Relationships Are Falling Apart. And if we're honest, if we look at our relationships, whether it's our marriages, our dating relationships, our friendships, our relationship with coworkers or our boss, we could probably all look at our relationships and wonder why they're, they're not thriving, why they're, they're not working the way they should, why do they seem to be going the wrong direction. And today, here's what you need to understand is how you respond to conflict will determine the health of the relationships that you have. 
How you navigate those moments where arguments come, where conflict arises, will ultimately determine how long that relationship really lasts and how healthy it's going to be. And so let's see what James has to say about this topic. If you don't know anything about James, he's the brother of Jesus. And you just gotta know this about James. He's kind of a straight shooter. He's that friend where you only ask him when you really wanna know what he has to think because he's gonna tell you how it is. And so look where he starts. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Isn't that the million dollar question? Isn't that what we're, we're like, hey, we're talking about conflict. Okay, we all wanna know what is the source? What is causing those fights in in my marriage and in my relationships with my family? What is the source of the conflict and the issues I have in relationships? Well, Jay basically tees up the question. (laughs) The problem is I'm not sure we're gonna like his answer. Because look what he says. He says, don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and you fight. See, here's what James is saying. You want to know why conflict's in your life? It's because of you. A central part of your conflict is you. James says it's your selfishness. It's your desire to please you more than anybody else. And you desire it so much that you're willing to fight for it. You're willing to quarrel. I told you, you wouldn't like his answer. But that's the reality in our relationships. A central part of why we have conflict is because we are selfish people. Now I wanna pause here for a second because I wanna make one thing very abundantly clear. As we talk about conflict today, I want you to understand there are times where in our relationships, we are just an innocent bystander to someone misusing us or abusing us. I'm not talking about that type of conflict today. I'm talking about everyday conflict that we have to navigate in our relationships. And when conflict arises in our relationships, what is our natural tendency? Let's blame somebody else, right? It has to be my spouse's fault, my wife or my husband. It has to be my boyfriend or my girlfriend. It has to be my boss or my coworker, my family's fault. It certainly can't be my fault. And this is how we live. Right? And when you think about the conflict that you had last, right, the last conflict in your life, if you get to the core of it, what were you really after? What was your selfishness desiring? Well, I bet you you can narrow it down to six things. Your selfishness was ultimately after comfort, pleasure, recognition, power, control, or acceptance. Right? We wanted one of these six things and we wanted it so bad that we were willing to put our gloves on and argue and fight over it. And it could look as simple as this. One of the ways conflict arises in my life so regularly is it's been a long day at work. I come home, I'm with my kids. We enjoy our evening together. Maybe we play a game, we read some stories, we have dinner as a family and we get ready for bed. And so we get our kids, they brush their teeth, we, we tuck them into bed, we say our prayers, we, we put them down to bed, and honestly, as a, 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 an adult, like, and as a, you know, someone who's married with four kids, like, it's like, okay, phew. they're in bed, I can sit down on the couch and I can watch the game, or I can just kind of veg on my cell phone, Ashley's showering, and then guess what happens? Always, 
it's always one kid. It just kind of comes downstairs. Daddy, I'm tired. Daddy, I have to poop. Daddy, I just can't sleep. I'm like, this is me time. You get back to bed. Or my wife comes out and the kids are sleeping. She's like, hey, Drew, could you do this and that and this? I'm like, babe, are you, are you serious? I just sat down. I just want And boom, right in that moment, my selfishness wants to fight for something, for my own comfort for power, for control, whatever it is, does, does that resonate with you? Think about the last time you had conflict. What were you fighting for ultimately? And James gets at the heart of things. He says, the reason why you have conflict is because we're selfish. But what's fascinating is what he says next. He actually brings a third relationship into our relationships. Look what he says. He says, you do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. Again, he's reminding us of our selfish nature. He says, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think the scripture says that without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit that he has caused to dwell in us? but he gives us more grace. That is why the scriptures say God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. And so James does something I think so amazing. He reminds us that when we choose to be selfish, we become friends with the world. And when we become friends with the world, we become an enemy to God. And what we often miss in our relationships is our ultimate relationship. And how much our ultimate relationship with God affects every other relationship we have on earth. Here's what you have to understand. Here's what James is getting at relationally from a big picture. He says our vertical relationship, that's our relationship with God, has a direct effect on our horizontal relationships. When you put selfishness in front of God, God actually opposes you, James says. And that comes with consequences. And a lot of those consequences fall in our relationships. God says, you have enough love for yourself. Why not try loving me and you'll be amazed that when you put God first, how healthy your relationships actually get. Because your vertical relationship with God has a direct correlation with your earthly relationships. And so as we, we, we dive a little bit deeper into conflict and relationships, there's a couple things that we need to know. The first thing that we need to know is that all relationships have conflict. Everybody can just breathe for a second. All relationships, even the ones you see on social media, even the people who think they all have it together have conflict. And, and honestly, for all of us, that can be a freeing thing. Because what the enemy likes to do to you is when you are in the midst of conflict in your relationship, he likes to isolate you, make you feel like you're the only person, the only family, the only marriage, the only dating relationship that is actually arguing over those things. Can I tell you, that's a lie. That's a lie to isolate you. And so when you have conflict, it doesn't always mean that there is something majorly wrong with your relationship. In fact, if you look at the Bible, it is full of relational conflict. Even Jesus, who was a perfect person, never did anything wrong, had relational conflict. The guy who actually wrote this book, James, his brother, Jesus and James had relational conflict. James didn't actually believe Jesus was who he said he was until later. Do you realize that one of Jesus' best friends, Judas, one of his disciples, turned on him? stabbed him in the back, sold him out for a, a couple coins. 
right? And if you study the Bible, like you don't have to go any farther than the book of Genesis, Adam and Eve, they get together. It doesn't really go that well. Then they have kids and it gets even worse because one of their kids kills their other kid. So the Bible is chalked full of conflict relationally. And this is why Jesus said these words. In this world, you will have trouble. Doesn't that encourage you this morning? <laughs> like, yes, what'd you learn today? Life stinks. <laughs> but honestly, I'd rather just preach the truth to you than sell you a lie. See, a lot of churches will tell you, if you follow Jesus, he'll take care of everything. Everything will be good. That's a lie. And many people sign up to follow Jesus, and when their life falls apart, they blame God because someone told them everything would be perfect and roses. That's not the case. Jesus didn't even say that was the case. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. You'll have conflict. You'll have hardships. But the great news is, is Jesus didn't stop there. He said, take heart in your trouble. I've overcome the world. There's a hope in me that one day your trouble will go away when you're with me in my presence in all of eternity. Right? Come on, church. Amen. Right? That should be good news for us. But the reality is here on earth, man, we're going to have conflict. And we're going to have to learn to navigate it. The second thing we have to understand about conflict is conflict is one of God's ways he works in our lives. See, here's the problem with that word, conflict. We view it as a negative thing. Right? We don't want conflict in our lives. And so we spend a lot of our time in our relationships trying to avoid it, try to get around it, because we view it as a negative thing. And, and this morning, I, I'm hoping that maybe I can change your perspective. Do you believe that conflict is and can be a good thing? It can be something that God brings into your life to make you more like him. So maybe instead of we spending so much time trying to get around conflict, avoid it, maybe we just ask the question, God, how do you want to use this in my life? God, how do you want to strengthen my marriage, my relationship with my family or my parents or my boss through this conflict? God, how do you want to make me look more like you through this issue? Let me put it to you like this. I love bananas. Safe place, right? It's okay to say that. Right? I love a banana. Anybody like bananas? Okay, what about this? How many of you like bananas with peanut butter? Come on, yes. To make it even better, sometimes I'll do this. I like bananas with peanut butter with Nutella on top. Come on, anybody, pre anybody hear me? I'm preaching right now, let me tell you. I hear the grunts in there. We're getting close to lunchtime. But I'm a little bit particular about my bananas. Some of you like green bananas. Hey, yeah, it's just too firm and no, 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 no. Some of you like bananas with some like sweet brown spots on it. No, it's not for me. I like my banana like beautifully yellow, almost flawless. Still has some firmness to it, but it's just perfect. But if you buy bananas regularly, which we do, every once in a while you'll neglect your bananas Ooh. and they will look like this. If you look close, there's like some slime right here. And like, ooh, and the worst part about bananas like this, I don't, you can't see it on the camera, but there's these stupid flies that just circle the bananas. And it doesn't matter how many you kill, there's always one still there. And 
if you look at these bananas, this is kind of how we view our conflict. It's kind of like, just throw it away. Right? Like, what could be good about these? But here's what I've learned from my wife, praise the Lord for it. If you take these nasty bananas, there's ooze dripping down that, and you peel them, and you throw them in a little bit of flour, you throw some pecans in there, don't forget the chocolate chips, you bake it, oh, hallelujah, banana bread, like it is so good. The same is true about your conflict. Most of you, all you see is those bananas. But can I tell you, God wants to redeem the conflict in your life to make you look more like him. He wants to strengthen your relationship because he uses the conflict in your life to grow you and to stretch you and to make your relationship, believe it or not, healthier. The third thing we have to understand, I told you you're gonna hear this a lot, how we handle our conflict will determine the success and the health of our relationships. How we respond when we wanna lash out at somebody, how the words that we say in the midst of those tense moments, how we navigate and respond to conflict will determine how healthy that relationship is. So that leaves us with a question. How do we respond to conflict? How do we do it God's way? I mean, honestly, we all know how we can do it our way, and let's be honest, where, where, where did that get us? So how do we respond to conflict in a biblical way? Well, I wanna talk about that. And I think the first step in this is to just understand naturally how you respond to conflict. You see, the Bible teaches us that in Genesis, we are born into sin. We're, we're, we're natural sinners. And so how we respond to things naturally is usually sinful. It's called our flesh. And when conflict arises in our life, we have a natural sinful way that we respond to conflict. And I've narrowed it down to three responses. The first response that many of us have is to simply fight. Any fighters in the house? Come on, raise your hand, it's okay, right? You, when conflict comes, you have your argument ready. You got the boxing gloves on and you're like, oh yeah, I don't mind conflict because I always win. And when my argument doesn't work, don't worry, I have a backup argument. And when you're talking, I'm thinking about another argument, right? That you just like to fight, okay? Now on the opposite end of that spectrum is what I call flight. People who just run from conflict. How many runners do I have? Probably many of you are runners because you're married to a fighter, right? You're like, I've already tried this. I'm getting out of Dodge because I know they're ready. So you just run from conflict. Anytime it comes up, you just, you just want to get out of the way. And then there's this middle ground. I call it freeze. The freezers, right? The freezers are the type of people who just ignore the conflict altogether. This is what they say to themselves. If I don't look at it, if I can't see it, it's not there. And maybe it will go away. The problem with any one of those natural responses, those default strategies that we have, they're all sinful and they never bring solutions to our conflict. Because if you're a fighter, eventually you're gonna fight so much that you destroy your relationship. If you're a flighter, you run from conflict, eventually you're gonna have a hard, you're gonna to have to have a hard conversation that makes you feel uncomfortable. And if you don't, guess what? You're gonna lose your relationship. If you're a freezer, you can try to ignore the problem, pretend it doesn't exist, but I promise you, it will just get bigger and bigger until guess what? You lose the relationship. 
All, all these sinful responses lead to the same place. We lose what matters to us. So how do we respond in a godly way? Well, I'm gonna tell you something very simple, but very hard to do. In the midst of conflict, you have to learn to consider the other person, right? It is as simple as that. In fact, let's go back to James. What does James teach us? He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? It's your selfishness. It's your desire to please you instead of anybody else. And maybe the solution to our conflict is to get our eyes off of ourselves and onto the person that we're fighting against. To see things the way they see things. To feel their hurt that we've impressed upon them. Okay, that sounds amazing, Drew, right? Like, okay, I'll try to consider somebody other than myself, but how do I do that? What does that look like in the midst of a fight? Well, I would say, I would challenge you and then your next conflict, instead of making statements, ask questions. Instead of giving your argument or your side of the story or why you did that, instead of making those statements, ask the person questions. Questions like, when I did that, how did that make you feel? What could I have done differently to change the outcome or the place that we're in? How can I be a better friend, spouse, boyfriend, or girlfriend, coworker? How can I help you before I help myself? You see, when you ask questions, you soften the conflict and you allow that person to know, I'm thinking about you instead of me. I love what the Apostle Paul says. He says, and if we urge you, brothers and sisters, Warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. I love this. He says, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. In the midst of our conflict, we have to learn to get our eyes off of us and onto somebody else. The third thing we have to do is stop winning the argument and win the relationship. We have to ask ourselves, what's most important to me? Is it being right or is it staying married? Is it getting your way or is it loving somebody else? Is it making your point or being employed? What's more important to me? And when you look at Jesus's life, what's amazing is if you study our savior, if you follow Jesus's life, there were times where he was accused of things. And how did he respond? Did he stand up and defend himself? No, he stayed silent for the sake of the relationship. In fact, if you look at the Bible as a whole, the storyline of the Bible is conflict, right? Our conflict, that we were sinners. We were separated from God. And yet Jesus didn't defend himself. He put himself on a cross to solve our problem. And so we have to learn what's most important to us. Is it my relationship? Or is it to win an argument? Ask yourself, what am I really fighting for? Is it to better my relationship or is it to get what I want? You know, one of the ways that Ashley and I have, have learned to do this, and here's the reality. <laughs> Anytime I preach on conflict, it feels like I have conflict in my life. Right, I, I know what you guys think, right? Pastor and their wife, they just have a perfect marriage, never fight, it's just awesome. I wish that was the case. 
But this week, I, I traveled a little bit. I had two conferences to be at, and it was hard on my wife and us. We, we had some conflict in our relationship. We had to communicate through some things. And I wish I could tell you that I have this mastered. I don't. The reality is, is I'm preaching to myself as much as I'm preaching to any one of you. I need this desperately in my marriage with my coworkers, and so do you. And one of the ways that I've learned in my marriage to help kind of solve some of my own selfishness is to remind myself who my enemy is. You see, in the midst of, of a fight with my spouse, I can easily view her as my enemy when she's not. I stood before God and said, I will love her no matter what. And here I am fighting with her over what? She's not my enemy. Your spouse is not your enemy. Your coworker, your family, your parents are not your enemy. You have an enemy and he wants to do everything to destroy your marriage, to destroy your family, to destroy your faith. We can't let him. And so we have to do conflict God's way to consider somebody else, to know that they're not your enemy. So here's my challenge to you. The next time conflict arises in your life. For some of us, it might be on the way home. For some of us, it might be in the evening with our kids. For a lot of you, it's going to be when the bills play. (laughs) Or the New York Giants, I'm just saying. It might be Monday morning at work. Conflict is going to come. It's going to be there. So ask yourself, what are you willing to lose? You willing to lose an argument, not get your way? Or are you willing to lose your relationship? What are you willing to lose? Because the truth is, in relationships, how we handle our conflict, those tense moments will determine how healthy and how successful our relationships are. So I would challenge you this week, instead of doing it your way, why not try God's? See what happens. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's so practical. Thank you that, man, your word just speaks to everything that we deal with. And God, if we would just choose to take it seriously and to follow through, It would change our relationships. Help us in the journey when conflict comes. In Jesus' name, amen.